Hey everybody, Nate Clark here. I'm the pastor of Oasis Church here in Richmond, Virginia. We pray that this podcast is helpful and encouraging to you in your life. Here's today's message. All right, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, starting in verse number 33. When they heard this, and uh, hold on, before I get in, I want to give you some context. The, uh, the apostles are once again in legal trouble for performing signs and wonders and preaching the gospel. Uh, they didn't just perform the miracle, but we talked about this. They performed the miracle, and then they brought a message with the miracle. Here's the miracle. Here's the message, the gospel of Jesus, the fact that Jesus is alive. And so they often find themselves uh, facing resistance, facing trouble, even legally. So they are once again brought before the Sanhedrin. This is the legal council of the day. And they're just mad at them. They want to shut them up. They want to stop them from uh, spreading the message of Jesus. They honestly want to kill them, but they don't know how to do it without it causing um, uh, chaos. And so they're trying to figure out what to do with these apostles that are preaching the message of Jesus. And so verse 33 says, when they heard this, they're furious and they want to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamelia, he's a teacher of the law. It's actually interesting. We learn later in Acts, he was one of the apostle Paul's teachers of the law. So this guy was, he was a teacher of great prestige, of great honor, held in very high regard. That's actually why when he speaks here, everyone shuts up and listens because his voice has some serious weight to it. So he, he, uh, he's honored by the people and he stands up. He orders the men outside for a little while. He's like, guys, you need to step out. We need to have a meeting. Verse number 35, he addresses them. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, some time ago, Theodos appeared, claiming to be someone. He uh, revolted against Rome just previously to this text. 400 men rallied around him. He was killed. His followers dispersed, came to nothing. After him, another man, Judas the Galilean, he appeared in the days of the census and he led another band of people in revolt. But just like Theodos, he was killed and his followers were scattered. So here's his advice, ready? Verse 38, therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave him alone. Let him go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But then look at verse 39. This is going to be our key verse for today. But if it's from God, you'll not be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourselves fighting against God. And his speech persuaded them. He called the apostles in and had them flogged. And they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and to let him go. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin. And look at their response to just being beaten and told to stop. Okay, ready? Uh, they, they leave rejoicing that they have been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. And day after day in the temple courts from house to house, they never stop teaching, proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Today, I wanna talk from this title. Uh, if God's in it, you can't stop it. If God's in it, you can't stop it. Would you pray this out loud with me together? Say, dear God, today, do what no man can do. Open my eyes, open my heart that I may receive your word, believe your word, and obey your word. Amen. You know, there's different 
text as we've walked through Acts even, and just when you look at the scriptures, different texts often bring about different responses and different feelings maybe in your mind and in your spirit. There's some texts that just land differently. Like for example, last Sunday, uh, we, we looked at a text in Acts 5 that I think the response is more sobering. It was, it was a difficult text to wrestle with, and it was a response that kind of brought a level of seriousness to your faith. It kind of brought a level of, of sobriety to how we approach God with a healthy, holy fear of God. And um, so I was preparing this week, and when I was looking at this text, the emotions and my response in my heart and spirit were way different than last week. As I was preparing this week, it was nothing but excitement, enthusiasm, just energy and passion. I was fired up, somebody. I was fired up. I normally do my prep on like Tuesdays. That's kind of when I put together my message and pray through it. And I was, I was so pumped up on Tuesday as I was writing a study. And I was like, I can't wait five more days. We need to have Wednesday nights around here. Uh, after this past week, I was ready to go. I, I, I was so excited um, about this text. In the text, as we read, the apostles are facing a legal decision again where they're gonna face a verdict and the council doesn't look favorably upon them, but the council gets advice. And the advice is this, ready? Hey, do you guys remember these other movements that have started just recent history? Remember this guy, he revolted up against Rome. He had a few hundred people around him. You guys remember that? It kind of caused a stir. There was some movement there. Yeah, yeah, You remember he was killed? Yeah, yeah. And when he was killed, all his people kind of scattered, and that was kind of all we ever heard about him. It kind of just fizzled out and died out as time went. Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah, he's done. And then you remember this other guy, Judas to Galilean. You remember the same thing? He kind of caused some stir, and there was some conversation around it. There was a movement that kind of began, and he had some people, and he was killed. You remember that? Yeah, he was killed. And when he was killed, his people kind of scattered and the movement died, right? So he's kind of making his case in recent history to say, hey, there's been plenty of people that have kind of rose up. There's been plenty of movements that had a spark and began to do something. But as you look at the past movements that have happened, uh, they've died and the movement has died. And so his advice is like, hey, let's not mess with these guys right now. Like, let's just let them go and let it sit because if what they're doing is from human origins, if what they was doing were, were conceived in their own minds, in their own hearts, if this is of their own agenda and their own accord, it's just gonna be gone. It's gonna fizzle out. But if what they're doing is from God, if their movement was not conceived in their own mind, but in eternity, if, if what they're doing is not just of their own strategy and their own power and of their own accord, but if it's really birthed from God, if it's not just their power, it's God's power. If it's not just their words, it's God's words. If it's not just their plan, it's God's plan. If it's from God, then we don't have a chance. And we don't want to find ourselves on the wrong side of that battle. So he just said, if it's from God, we won't be able to stop it. So let's just see what happens? This council is so wise. This council is so good and encouraging for us today because now, 2,000 years later, we know what they did and what they started has not died. <laughs> it, it hasn't died in the slightest. It has expanded and it has grown. It has exploded. Why? Because it wasn't of human origin. It was from heaven. 
It was from God. My, my hope today is that if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a Christian today, that you would just feel your faith arise today. Today, I'm, just, I'm trying to encourage you today. I want you to leave here just full of faith in your heart, just expecting God for awesome things. I pray today, if you're a Christian, you'd be filled with faith. I pray today, if you're not a Christian, as you see this and as you hear this today, that you would be in all of the power of God and that you'd surrender your heart to Christ today and today would be the day for you of salvation, the greatest day of your life. That's my prayer for you today. So I've got some observations for this text and you can follow along in your notes. We've got your notes in your bulletin. I want you to follow along with me. The first thing is this, God cannot be overthrown. God cannot be overthrown. Verse number 39, I love it. He says, hey, if it's from God, you won't be able to stop these men. By the way, he's talking to people of power here, people that had influence and resource. They had the ability to pull strings and make things happen. And he's like, yeah, you can't stop it. You only find yourselves fighting against God. I thought of it like this. If God is in it, God's going to win it. <laughs> if God is in it, if God is involved, God will win. God will have his way. Why? Because God cannot be overthrown. God cannot be overthrown. This is good news this morning. God has always ruled and always reigned. God today is currently ruling and he is reigning. And God forever will reign and he will rule. God has been God from the beginning. He is God today. He will be God forevermore. He was on the throne then. He's on the throne now. He will be on the throne forevermore. God cannot be overthrown. He is God and God alone. Even from the mouth of Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 16, Peter has just professed that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Christ. And here's what Jesus says. He says, on this rock, talking about the profession he just made, I will build my church. Look at this. This is the words of Jesus from the mouth of the Son of God himself declaring and promising, I will build my church. My church will be built. It will go forward. It will not fizzle out. It will not die. It will go forward. It will be built. Why? Because I'm going to build it. God said, I'll build my church. And then look, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell will not overcome it. Nothing will stop it. Nothing will stop because this is what God has promised. The work of the church, the bride of Christ, the kingdom of God advancing and moving forward has been taking place, is taking place, and will continue to take place. Why? Because God can't be overthrown. He can't be overthrown. For thousands of years, from our text today until now, there have been governments and power and people that have tried to stop the work and spreading of the gospel, and none have succeeded. From the book of Acts to today, there have been many things that have sought to stop the expansion of the gospel, and all have failed dramatically. Why? Because if God's in it, it can't be stopped. It, it just can't be stopped. Political leaders have come and they've gone Political parties and powerhouses have rose up and they've fallen. Uh, people of great wealth and people of great mind and intellect, they've come and they've gone. Uh, people of dynamic personality and great charisma, they've come and they've gone. But how many know Christ is still here? Christ is still alive. Christ is still reigning. Christ is still ruling. His mission is still being carried out today all over the globe. His word is still going forth. His kingdom is still advancing. Why? Because he can't be overthrown. 
Are you with me this morning? I need you to talk back to me a little bit this morning. I feel like this is really good news today. He can't be overthrown. There, there, there's so many stories of this that I could share today about where, where the gospel has been tried to be stopped and it's actually just accelerated it all the more. For time's sake today, I just picked out one story that I want to share with you. If this piques your interest, you can read many, many more about this. There's a website called opendoorsusa.com. Opendoorsusa.com. They uh, deal with the persecuted church all across the, all across the globe. And they did a story, I'm sure you guys remember, it made, it made global news when it happened. In the spring of 2017, there were several bombings on Palm Sunday in Egypt. You guys remember this? At different, a few different churches and then church groups that were traveling were specifically targeted in the spring of 2017 in Egypt on Palm Sunday while Christians are gathering to worship. And uh, many were killed in the bombings. Many were killed in the attacks. And there was a man, he was interviewed um, in Egypt right after this Palm Sunday bombing. And here's what he said. I want you to hear this quote. After the attacks, the churches were cleaned up quickly and were packed with Christians for services each day of Holy Week. It has never been so clear and so open for the church to share the gospel. On Easter Sunday on Channel One, which is our equivalent to a CNN in the United States, there was a two-hour interview with the pastor from the largest church in Egypt about the power of the gospel. It was an incredible platform to evangelize the whole country of Egypt. The focus of the interview was on the death and resurrection of Jesus and what it means and how the Christian faith is about love and forgiveness, particularly in this instance, even directly towards those who are persecuting us. God is revealing his love to the people of Egypt. This pain and this agony have been seeds that have grown up through the soil of our country to produce fruit for the gospel. God is using these events that Satan meant for destruction as the greatest gospel platform in the history of Egypt. Man, something that was meant to stop and hinder the work of the gospel, what did it do? It accelerated it all the more. Why? Because God can't be stopped. His word can't be stopped. His kingdom cannot be capped. God cannot be overthrown. If God is in it, nothing can stop it. God's in it, nothing can stop it. Man, I want to build a holy confidence in you today. If God is in it, nothing can stop it. If, if God cannot be defeated. He cannot be overthrown. He rules and he reigns forevermore. Is anybody grateful for that today? I began to think about even locally here, specifically to our church family. If you're new to our church family and maybe you've just been coming the last few months and this is all you've kind of known, uh, there, there's a lot to the backstory of our church um, that you might not know that God has done that's been miraculous. Uh, we, we started uh, six months before the pandemic began. We had 26 services before the world shut down and uh, we've been through all kinds of stuff. We're three years old as a church and the things we've been through, and, and there's, there's some people here that have been with us the entire time, so you know. Uh, there's some things we've been through as a church 
where I've just honestly, I've said sometimes to our church, I've said amongst myself, to our board, to pastors and friends, I've said, uh, there's, there's no script for this. Like, I studied really hard. I, I consider myself a student and a strategist. I studied really hard to be able to plant and birth a healthy church. And then when it happened and the world turned upside down, all that just went out the window. And so there was so many things we were facing. We, we just didn't know what God was gonna do. And, and our cry the entire time, how I honestly thought as a pastor was, well, I have no idea what we're gonna do or how we're gonna do it and if this is even gonna work. But if God's in it, we'll be all right. If God's in it, we'll be all right. If he's not in it, then he's still good and we'll figure out something else. You know, like, well, like be, being really honest, we, we planted with like dozens of other churches around the country planted the same day we did. We went through training with them. And over the last 18 months, I've gotten almost monthly text from each of them that their churches have been shutting down. They haven't been able to make it and continue to go. And it continue to, it, it amazes me at what God's done at our church. And I've literally just said the whole time, like, hey, if God's in it, we'll be good. Can't stop it. If, if he's not, then we'll know. We'll know. So I thought for fun here, I'd take a few minutes to go down memory lane with you for a second. Is that okay? Can I do that? So I got some pictures I want to show you here this morning of the life of our church. I'm, try, I'm trying to let you know, if God's in it, you can't stop it. You can't stop it. So this was our first gathering uh, in our living room with, I don't, I don't know how many people that is. There's a few people gathered in our living room um, before we launched, just saying, hey, here's what we're trying to do, and here's, here's our plan. Uh, we, we sold this house quickly after and moved up here to the north side and we're getting ready to plant the church. So this was our first gathering here planning. You can go to the next one. We did a few of these. This was gathering again with the team, planning, praying, how we're gonna do this thing, how we're gonna get this off the ground, believing God's with us. You can go to the next one. These were the early days of our church. This right here, this was a team. We, 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 we got a little uh, place where we went away for 48 hours in February of 2020. <laughs> And we planned 12 months of our church calendar, every detail, every sermon series, every group, every outreach, every plan, every leader. We, we like nailed down for the first time in the life of our young church, the next 12 months is gonna, we prayed over it, we anointed the calendar with oil. We didn't, I'm just kidding, we didn't do that. We were like, God, you're with us, this is gonna be great. And within 30 days of this gathering right here, everything that we planned and prayed over got thrown in the trash. It didn't matter anymore when the world shut down. All right, you can go to the next one. Um, this right here is our first church service after the shutdown. <laughs> you like that? Uh, there's our little laptop we put on a little TV tray with stacks of books because we couldn't get the angle right. It was super weird. On Facebook Live right there with little communion. And even I went back and watched that video recently. It's so embarrassing. We're like, guys, we know in two weeks we'll see you soon. You know, we'll be. And uh, it was, we just had no idea. It was so dumb. Okay, so that was, that was online church right there. That's what church looked like. And uh, we, we had only gathered for six months at this point. So we're like, I don't even know if we're going to make it. We're just going to keep doing online church and trying to connect with people as best we can. And so that was church for a while. There's a little Facebook feed of what it looked like. You can go to the next one. This one right here makes me cry when I think about it. So we had just ordered before, before everything shut down, we're getting ready for our first Easter, Easter of 2020. We were gonna meet at Henrico High School and we had just spent thousands of dollars. Our church was so generous for kingdom builders and we just spent thousands of dollars to promote our first Easter. We sent out 50,000 mailers to a few zip codes all around the school to let everyone know. Um, there's a lot of people even here now, you, you may have gotten a mailer, that's how you heard about our church. So we were getting the word out, sending mailers to several zip codes. We printed out door hangers and yard signs. We were giving to our church 
church to go invite people. And all of this stuff came to our house. All of the shipments came in of all the stuff. And then when the world shut down, we realized that none of it mattered anymore at all. It was all a waste. So this is me looking at it, smiling so I don't cry. <laughs> we like had that stuff in our garage for a year because I couldn't stomach throwing it away. It was so painful. It was just like, what do you do with this stuff? But all the dates were wrong now because we couldn't reuse it. So, and, and we're about to film our Easter service in the middle of a restaurant that someone in our church had and they let us use, they said, hey, I have a brick wall at my restaurant if you wanna set up a camera and film your message in front of the brick wall. So that's, that's doing our first Easter as a church in 2020 uh, with three camera people and all the Easter stuff that I was crying over. <laughs> so you can go to the next one. This was uh, when the pandemic happened and you know, people were like, you can't gather or whatever. We're like, we're seeing people. We're gonna see people. So me and Anna got in the car and we put like snacks and coolers and stuff in our trunk and just drove to people's houses and like let them come back and get a snack and try to talk to them and minister to them as best we could since you know, we couldn't gather and stuff like that. So this was church for like a few months at the beginning. We were just, just like, you know what? If God's in this, we'll be good. If God's in this, we'll keep going. If not, we're going out swinging. Come on, somebody, right? So, all right, you go to the next one. Go to the next one. This was the space you're sitting in right now. Uh, six months after the pandemic, we just we knew the high schools in the county. We didn't want to put our eggs in their basket. I didn't want to be a phone call away from not being able to have church. And so we were looking for our own space. And we found the space. It wasn't even available on the market. We found it through this weird, weird way. But when we came and looked through it, this is what the space looked like. We walked through and we knew the scale of work that had to happen. But we just told ourselves, we don't know what this is going to cost, how we're going to do this, when we're going to be able to do it. But if God's in it, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. If God's in it, all right, you can keep going. This is what the space looked like. That's the lobby that you came into this morning when we first got in this space. Uh, very aesthetically pleasing, as you can see. Uh, this is the auditorium right here. We just began to gut it and pray or clear it out and scrape glue off the floor. Some of y'all in this room did that. Bless your souls. Your hands are still sore from that. Scraping 8,300 square feet of glue off the floors, uh, pulling carpet, getting in. And this whole time, this whole time we're a 10-month-old church undertaking a construction project I expected us to face when we were five years old, not 10 months old, the whole time thinking, uh, if God's in this, uh, we're going to do it. And uh, me and uh, Jay Donlin just served as the general contractors trying to show up and get this thing done. What can we do? We don't, we don't know how we're going to do this. But if God's in it, can't stop it. So kept going. There's a lobby. This was our first Kingdom Builders gathering. Um, if you work for the county, just be gracious to us. This broke every code and every whatever that's possibly a thing. So... We kind of gathered people as construction was going to begin to cast vision and say, hey, here's what we're trying to do. Here's what we're trying to do. Um, this is what we believe God's doing in this season. We, if God's in this thing, we're going to get in this. We're going to get in this and be able to meet. So you can keep going. Um, we did online church uh, in the middle of the construction zone to try to like show people the progress each week to see what we were doing. And uh, then with permits and stuff, we got held up so much each week, the, the, the shot didn't look any different. And so I was like, man, people are going to think we're not doing anything. So, so we had to start just like knocking stuff over and putting new stuff just so it looked like we were doing something, you know, and uh, we just did online church uh, in the middle of the mess, this was our, our team getting ready before our first Sunday as we gathered back in. It was 13 months between our last service at the high school and meeting here. 13 months of online and construction, but the team held on, the team was faithful. And then over the last year, there's been life. 
there's been life we've got in and people are showing up and God is moving and people are being baptized and Oasis Kids is ministering to kids and our serve team is praying and serving and involved in what God is doing and God's word is going forth. Because how many know, look, if God's in it, you can't stop it. If God's in it, you can't stop it. I just look over the last few years of our church and I just have, have to believe, God, you've just been in it because a lot of things have tried to stop it and you've been in it and your grace has been enough. I wanna encourage you today, God cannot be overthrown. Can't be overthrown. We've talked about it for our church body. I wanna make it personal for you today. Like the fact that you're here today, there, there's, a, there's some working of God in your heart. God is tugging at your heart. God is, God is pursuing you in a great way. God's work has began in you and I want you to know he's faithful to complete it. His work can't be overthrown. God is in control. Are you grateful for that today? Number two is this. I'm gonna go faster on these next few. We're on the winning team. We're on the winning team. I love the end of the scripture. We know from the end of the story that we win. I love Revelation 21, three through seven. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but I love the promise of God. He's gonna make all things right. He's wiping away every tear. No more mourning, crying, death, or pain. Old things have passed away. He's going to make all things new. He's coming again to rule and to reign. Come on, if you're in Christ, we know the end of the story. We win. We win. We're on the winning team. And look, this is amazing. To commit your life now to the work of Christ and to kingdom work is to ensure that your life does not get wasted on something that doesn't matter. To, to know that we win and to commit to his kingdom work now is to guarantee my life will matter because I know the kingdom of God will be built. Look, ultimately, anything you do in any team you're on that's not building the kingdom is ultimately a temporary losing team. So knowing this, man, I wanna live my life towards the things of God. Like, if, if we know that God is in control and God wins, like, I don't wanna be on the wrong team. And like for some of us today, we're, we're on the wrong team. In Acts 5.29, he said, he said this, like, hey, if you're, if you're fighting against the things of God, he's like, hey, you're, you're, you're fighting the things of God. Like for some of you in your life, you're, you're like kind of halfway in, halfway out, and you find you're always struggling and always, always trying. And it's like maybe, maybe you're not fully surrendered to the things of God. Maybe you find yourself fighting God, and it's just not fun to fight God. So look, don't fight the things of God, surrender to the things of God. Don't fight the things of God, surrender to the things of God because Christ, he's the winning team. He's the winning team. Number three is this, even if it seems like we're losing, we're still winning. Even if it seems like we're losing, we are still winning. It's easy to look around and think that God is withdrawing himself in such a way that he's not being good on his promise to build his church. It's, it's easy to look around and think that. There's data to support that. I don't even think it's needed. It's, it's easy to look around and think that God's withdrawing himself and not being good on his promise. We, we live in a world of moral and spiritual decay, and when you look around, it can just feel like we're losing. We're losing. Uh, in a world where there are now more churches, specifically I'm talking about the United States, there's more churches closing down than being planted. 
This has been accelerated since the pandemic. Exponentially, at a greater rate, churches are shutting their doors and closing down greater than new churches being planted. So, so we're going in the wrong direction numerically, statistically, as far as reaching cities and communities in the United States. And so it's easy to look around and look at that and say, we're losing, we're losing. But I wanna encourage you, even if it feels like we're losing, we're still winning. We're still winning. Why? Because God is good on his promises. Because Jesus is still on the throne and he's coming back again. We're still winning because the tomb is still empty. The tomb is still empty. God is still working. Even when it feels like we're losing, we're winning. There's a book that we've read with the team here recently called The God of the Long View. And this story, this book tells a story about a French missionary that went to the Chinese province of Yunnan. His name was Pierre Charles Renou. Pierre Charles Renou in 1852 left France to go to China to begin to plant churches and do missionary work, uh, much to no success. He built a few buildings there. Today you can go see a few of the church buildings that are now abandoned and used for other things. The churches never really got off the ground and the missionary work there uh, from all appearances seemed to fail in the mid 1800s. One thing he also brought with him from France to China was his passion and love for coffee. Passion and love for coffee. So he brought his coffee and I'm not a coffee guy at all so I don't even know what he brought. He brought his stuff. You know, he brought his whatever he brings, coffee stuff. And he found when he got there, this was a remote town in China. Uh, to get there, you have to fly to Beijing and then take another three-hour um, connection flight and then drive three hours from there to the mountain to get to this village. So it's very remote. So he brings his coffee there and he finds when he gets there that the climate in the mountain is very prime for coffee for growing coffee. And so he begins to teach the Chinese people in this area and they began to grow coffee plantations, all this kind of stuff everywhere. Uh, Starbucks actually just recently picked up a new blend of coffee that's from this area in China. So, so almost all of Chinese coffee is produced now in this region because of a French missionary in the 50s that came. Just recently, there was a missionary group from Indiana that went to a neighboring village in the mountains there, and they began to set up because no one in the town drank coffee or had a coffee shop. It's very funny. They planted coffee all around them, but no one drank it. They, they didn't participate in it. And so this missionary group from Indiana planted a coffee shop in the village to begin to engage with people and share the gospel with them. And people began to love it and want more of it. And so the other neighboring towns began to tell them, hey, come harvest our coffee and start coffee shops here. And so this missionary group currently is able to put coffee shops in every village throughout the region as gospel hubs to plant the gospel. And from those coffee shops, churches are now being planted today in the mountains of China. So, so in the mid-1800s, a guy leaves his home in France to go do missionary work. And from all outside looks, guess what? He's losing. He's losing. Like, all, you, you just planted a field and you had two failed church plants with your life. You lost. Even when you're losing, you're still winning. You're doing kingdom work. 
Because kingdom works not just in my generation, but in multi-generations. It doesn't just work in the harvest I see in front of me. It works in the seeds I plant today. And so this French missionary planted seeds of coffee farms that 150 years later are now producing gospel fruit. Why? Because when it seems like you're losing, you're not. You're still winning. Because God cannot be overthrown. We're still winning. The last point today is this, and I wanna pray for you. I've put this in a form of a question today as we close. Are you willing to live a life of faith because you know God's work cannot be stopped? Like if these things are true, if we, if we really believe what we're talking about today, that God really does rule and he really does reign, he always has, he is and he always will, he can't be overthrown, we're living for eternity, we're passing through, God's on the throne. If, if, that, if that is true, that demands from us a life of great faith. Like that, that does not elicit the response of comfort, casual, cruise control Christianity. And that's what we see in the apostles because the apostles are seeing this play out in front of them. They're facing persecution. They're facing challenges. And when they're dismissed in Acts chapter five, notice what they don't do. They're not like, whoa, we escaped them again. That's been twice. We about been killed twice. And we've preached the gospel to thousands already and we've already done it. Like we've checked our boxes for sacrificial kingdom work. I think we should take it easy for a little bit. Like, no, no, no. They leave the Sanhedrin that day. Verse number 41 says this, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. So they're like, thank you, God, for the opportunity to, to represent your name, even when it cost me something. Thank you, Lord. And then verse 42, day after day in the temple courts from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So how did they respond to this? Great faith. Hey, we're gonna get right back out there. Hey, they're trying to stop us. We're getting right back in the game. Hey, they're trying to silence us. We're going again. Hey, they're trying to stop us from planting these seeds here. Nope, seeds are getting planted. Like it, it demanded from them a life of great faith. So my question for you is, are you willing to live a life of great faith in response to the fact that God's work can't be stopped? Are you willing to live a life of great faith? Who, who are you praying for in your life right now that's far from God? Who's close to you but far from God? that God might use to use you to push his kingdom forward. Like who, who are you inviting in this season? This holiday season is a season like no other where people are open to the gospel. They're open to coming to church. They're open to faith. Who are you praying for? Who are you sharing the gospel with? Who are you bringing to church with you? Who are you pulling in in this season and believing God for great things in their life? Uh, don't give up in the struggle when you're serving God. Serving God will be difficult. That's part of it. Don't give up in the struggle. It'll cost you something. It'll come with great pain and it'll come with great struggle, but let's live for Jesus every single day. Let's, let's live with great faith. Let's not let fear drive our decisions. Let's be driven by faith. Let's not get comfortable and casual and make decisions around our own convenience. Let's, let's step out of the boat and say, God, I wanna live by faith. God, stretch me fresh today. God, I've gotten too comfortable. God, help me dream again. God, give me faith. I wanna live every day for you because your work can't be stopped. I wanna be on the winning team and be part of what God is doing here and all over the world. If you're with me today, somebody say amen. Just stand to your feet all over the room today. I wanna to pray a prayer of faith over you today. 
and we're gonna respond in some worship. I'm gonna ask as we respond in worship that the Spirit of God would just really tattoo these truths on your heart today, that you'd be filled with great faith, great faith in God and what he wants to do in our lives and through our lives. And we're gonna open up the altars. If you wanna come up and have a moment of surrender and worship with the Lord, the altars are open. We've got communion on the sides for those of you that are followers of Christ that wanna remember and reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus. You can come and take communion as we respond today in prayer and worship. And let's ask God to really uh, nail this in our hearts today as we respond to his word today, amen? Lord, we love you today. Thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the boldness and the courage of the apostles that we see just dedicated to living a life of great faith. Lord, I pray for myself. I pray for my brothers and sisters in the room today. Maybe those of us who have gotten casual, we've gotten comfortable. Lord, it's been, it's been a while since we've stretched our faith and believed you for greater things in our lives. Lord, I pray today that you would help us to, by faith, take a step out of the boat to trust you today. Lord, thank you that you are on the throne. Thank you that you have the victory. You, you won it on the cross, Lord. The tomb is still empty. You are on the throne. Thank you for victory in Jesus today, Lord. I pray that that truth today would be fuel to our faith to serve you, to honor you, to worship you, to give our lives to you with all we have today. Lord, may we not be comfortable. May we not be casual. May we be surrendered fully to your work in our lives, in our church, in this city. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. Hey, if this content was helpful and encouraging to you, you could help us out by leaving a review or sharing it with the people in your life. I know it would bless them. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll see you next week.